Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 625th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments. Get your daily reading from me and other writers over at Beyond the 90 at beyondthe90.substack.com and locally on the New York Red Bulls at Red Bull News Network. But as always, this show is dedicated to the American game all across the country. Chat room is open. Come on in. Discuss amongst yourselves if you like. Uh, if you have a question for me, I'll try to answer it to the best of my abilities. Uh, and on Sunday, great to see that the World Cup schedule was announced uh, where Mexico will begin the entire World Cup at the Estadio Azteca on June 11th. Canada will begin on Tuesday, June the 12th. Or excuse me, uh, on not Tuesday, but on June 12th, uh, over at BMO Field in Toronto in the U.S., will also begin on June 12th at SoFi Stadium in Inglewood, California, just outside of Los Angeles. So that is absolutely fantastic to see that happen. And, of course, the final is over at MetLife Stadium at East Rutherford, New Jersey, at the Meadowlands. So, and the third place match will also be in Miami at the Hard Rock Stadium. So that's exciting. That's a lot of fun. But tonight, my intro monologue, I'm going to go somewhere else. And this is really sad, disheartening. I, I am just not happy with an attitude of a certain women's national team player. Now, thankfully, it's not uh, Megan Rapino. Um, it's not Alex Morgan. Trinity Rodman. No, no, it's none of those. It, it's actually the one player maybe I didn't expect it to come from on the women's national team, and that is Lindsay Moran. Lindsay Horan, um, apparently she was interviewed, and in that particular article, she makes the comments as there are some American soccer fans that are stupid and that are morons. Well, you know, Lindsay, you know... You're a great player. You're you're a fantastic player for the women's national team. You have done everything correctly every time you're on the pitch. Up until the point of the this past Women's World Cup that was shared in New Zealand and Australia. See, when you played your games... In the group stage, played Vietnam, which you were supposed to beat them, even though you beat them three goals to nil, and it should have been more than three. You know, we 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 let it go because we thought here, or at least you know, my my colleague and I, Carter Krishnire, we have said that um, you know the USA got the results. They got the necessary goals. They won, but we gave Vietnam credit for how well they played defensively because they did not give up more than the three goals that they did to you and your women, your teammates. And then we get to the game against the Dutch. And the Dutch were playing like they wanted to prove a point. And where were you, Lindsay? Hmm? Where were you? And the rest of your teammates, Lindsay, 
you were basically playing second fiddle. You acted like you thought you were the greatest thing since sliced bread. And until you got smacked in the face by your club teammate at Olympique Lyon on their women's team, as soon as you got smacked in the face in the second half, then you scored your goal. And then you erupted. So it took your club teammate, who was your opponent in the Women's World Cup second group stage match, to light a fire under your backside to play the way you should have in this past Women's World Cup, and you basically did nothing at the rest of the tournament. You did nothing against Portugal. You did nothing against Sweden. You lost in a penalty kick shootout in the round of 16. You came home with the rest of your teammates with your tails tucked between your legs. And you want to say that American soccer fans are stupid. Is that what you want to say to us? Is that what you're trying to tell us? That we don't know the game? That just because we don't play or we think we know how to play, that we're dumb and stupid for criticizing your play in this past Women's World Cup? See, if you played your heart out and played with a purpose and still lost, I don't think you would have gotten it as bad as you did. The truth of the matter is, you should have been three and out. But you went into the second round, into the round of 16, and you still lost. Forget about the shine off of your women's national team, you and your teammates. No, we're not talking about your shine. We're talking about your gumption. Your will to participate and to compete. Compete. You didn't compete in Australia and New Zealand. You did not compete in this past Women's World Cup. If you would have done what you did the last two Women's World Cup and won the damn thing, properly, then you wouldn't have gotten what you got down. Fans upset at you, questioning you, the media questioning you, me questioning you. So if you feel that you need to let the fans have it who have defended you, supported you, and wanted you to succeed and win a third consecutive World Cup championship, then by all means, don't you dare claim U.S. soccer fans and stupid and moronic. Think about all the little girls and the young women who want to emulate you as a professional soccer player, a professional women's soccer player, and go out there and dominate. Now, whether they will play with you or you'll be long gone from the national team, you have already disappointed them. Because they're going to say, why did she say this? Why did Lindsay Horan say this about us? Because I'm a, I'm a fan too. I'm a fan of hers. I'm a fan of the women's national team. And now, now you want to complain about it, fans? What is wrong with you? Now, I'm not going to lump her 
in the Megan Rapino category because that's not what I'm going to do because I don't want to. But the truth of the matter is this. The truth of the matter is this, is that her behavior in this interview is deplorable. Going against your own fans, you're not going to win this. You're not going to win this argument. And you're not going to be loved anymore because the next time your name gets announced at a home match anywhere in the 50 states, 48 of them in the mainland, you're going to get booed. You will feel the wrath of the American soccer fan, male or female, because you have just let everyone down, Lindsay Horan. You did. How dare you? How dare you insult not just the fans of the U.S. women's national team, but the fans who get to put your last name and your shirt number on the national team on the backs of their jerseys. Think about it for a minute here, would you please? Think about it. Why would you do that? Why would you alienate yourself from the American soccer fans? You should be grateful to be on the national team. You should be grateful that you are important to be a part of this national team. You should be grateful you have fans. The next time when you're down by a goal to nil, and you're not playing up to your standards. Maybe, maybe the opposition should just find a way to foul you hard, to smack you in the face, to wake you up and score a goal. Maybe, maybe one of your teammates should smack you in the face to prepare you and pump you up to play your game out on the pitch for 90 minutes, whether it be a friendly, a qualifier for the World, Women's World Cup. Oh, and by the way, isn't there a brand new Women's Gold Cup coming this February, this month, into March? Are you going to fail us there too, Lindsay? Are you? Will you? Please, please do so. Please give us the ammunition that we need to let you have it. Okay? Because I'm telling you right now, Miss Haran, it's not going to cut it anymore. You failed us big time. Your individual performance was a disgrace at the Women's World Cup. A disgrace. If you and your teammates are going to act all arrogantly once again and assume you're going to cakewalk the competition, guess what? You got another thing coming. And even though you're going to be facing your fellow women opponents from qualified countries for this Gold Cup, if you will not be the team to win the inaugural CONCACAF Women's Gold Cup and the USA loses, it is a failure and it is on your shoulders, it is on your boots, it is on you and your teammates. Because you want to act like you're the hottest thing since sliced bread? Uh Uh-uh. I'm sorry. That's gone. That's right, Lindsay Horan. It's gone. Your attitude is crap. You should be grateful that you have fans. You shouldn't be insulting them. And guess what? It's going to be 
a good while before they are back in your good graces or back you you in their good graces for how you've acted and treated them in that interview. So please, Lindsay Horan, be a little bit more humble if you can. Great show for you tonight, ladies and gentlemen. My first guest tonight, I haven't had him on in a while, but I'm glad to have him on because it looks like the Colorado Rapids are starting to uh, build a club here, and it's looking like it's getting stronger during this off season. My Colorado Rapids reporter, Patrick Quinn, joins me right now. Quinny, good evening. Hope you're well. How are you feeling with the off season that the Rapids have had, bringing in a lot of talent in this transfer window? Uh, it's certainly a nice uh, deviation from the uh, norm of what our club has been doing in the past. So yeah, I'm gladly taking it. I mean, they've been very active in the window and brought in some new blood. And uh, there are still some questions that need to be asked. But, you know, at least we actually resemble an MLS team now. No, absolutely. And let me ask you first now, um, Chris Armis is your head coach. And obviously his first two coaching jobs were um, – I would say, and I'm being kind here because I know Chris very well, a very nice man. I, um, I'll i never uh, forget what he did for me on a personal level uh, when he called me to wish me condolences when my father passed away. Um, but uh, this is his third head coaching career here in MLS. What are you expecting from Chris right now? Uh, you know, it – He's a big question mark, and that's actually kind of one of the questions we have going into the season is, you know, what are we going to get with him? He is a little bit of a – even though he's had past coaching experience, he's still, to me, kind of an unknown uh, quantity just because, you know, we've never really seen him truly implement a system with all of his players. I mean, he inherited something different when he was in Toronto – and obviously in New York, he inherited, you know, Jesse Marsh's team that he built. So, yeah, we're still kind of unsure, uh, you know, what we're going to get from him. But, I mean, by all accounts, I mean, he did do a meet and greet with some of the fans. It seems like a super nice guy, really down to earth. And, you know, based on what he's been saying, they're going to be playing, a, you know, high-energy pressing style of soccer. But, yeah, I guess time will tell, you know, tactically how the team looks once we get a few more games under our belt. Absolutely. I will be honest with you. He is a nice guy, a wonderful man. He does care very, very much. And I know, um, you know, on that level, you'll be fine with him. We'll see what happens tactics-wise. But um, like I said, hopefully uh, he'll, he's building a good team and hopefully uh, he'll do some good things for the Rapids this upcoming year. Let's talk about some of these signings. First of all, Zach Steffen coming back from Manchester City. Uh, no, he knew he was on loan at a Sunderland. Didn't really work out for him. And uh, how, you, how's the, how do you feel about Zach Steffen coming in here? And it looks like I believe he's going to be taking over in goal for you guys. Yeah, he'll be our starting goalkeeper for sure. I mean, he, he was kind of – I mean, it's good to have him, but he was sort of a solution to a self-inflicted problem. Uh, essentially what Porek Smith ended up doing with William Yarborough is he wanted to move on from him, but essentially burnt all the bridges he had with him and brought in uh, Illich from uh, from Europe, who you know we paid a transfer fee for and you know spent a lot of energy trying to get and – as it turns out, he's really not ready to play at this level, and he went all in on that guy. So, you know, come the end of the season, we're out our starting goalkeeper, and we really need an upgrade at that position. And we were lucky to get Stefan at a good deal, but, you know, to me it's largely un- an unnecessary problem, but we got a little bit of a marginal upgrade over last year, so that that's a positive for sure. Absolutely. You also acquired Miguel Navarro from the Chicago Fire. I think that's an excellent signing for uh, the Rapids. Navarro has always been one of those high-energy players, loves to attack, can defend a bit himself. I just think he's going to fit in well on that midfield for you. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, they did immediately turn around and loan him out, so I think he's kind of more of a long-term play and 
you know, particularly with uh, us getting Sam Vines back, I mean, that's a huge boost to, you know, the wing backs and stuff like that and kind of playing that pressing style. But, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see how all that goes. And, of course, he signed as a free agent, Omir Fernandez from the New York Rebels. Obviously, um, he's been a very, very strong attacking midfielder, a little crafty as well with the ball. It's very strong penalty kick taker. I mean, obviously, you like to make sure you have your good penalty kick takers, and if you ever get deep in a in a match in a shootout, whether it be the Open Cup or Leagues Cup, uh, Omir Fernandez is definitely going to convert for you guys. Yeah, I mean, that, that'll be nice, too. We have been notoriously poor at penalties in uh, recent tournaments, so having an upgrade in that position will definitely be very nice to have somebody that's a little more dependable from the spot. Mm -hmm. But I think the big fish that you guys got was definitely to bring back Jordi Mihaljevic. Came over from AZ Alkmaar from the uh, Netherlands, from the uh, Eredivisie. Were you happy that he was brought over to the club? Yeah, and I think uh, most Rapids fans would agree that's definitely – I mean, I guess you could make an argument for bringing Sam Vines back, but, you know, excluding him, uh, Mihaljevic is definitely the uh, most – exciting signing that they've made in the off season. I mean, it definitely elevates the quality of the midfield, which needs a lot of work. It probably still needs some work too. I still have some questions about the number six role, but yeah, he's going to provide, you know, much needed service to the forwards that really weren't getting the ball in dangerous spots last year. So yeah, we're really excited to see what he can do. That's absolutely excellent and very happy to hear that. I mean, look, I, I know the one uh, year you won the MLS Cup, I mean, it came out of nowhere, but still, though, it's been a, uh, a great year when you did defeat FC Dallas over at BMO Field up in Toronto. But since then, there really hasn't been much to really shout about. Overall, right now, what are your feelings right now? And, and just for all of us, what's the temperature of the rapid supporters right now? on your feeling of for the season so far? Uh, I think it's a good start, but there's still a lot of things I think the club really needs to do, particularly to win the trust of fans back, because there's still a very deep distrust of management and ownership that isn't going to be fixed by one off season. And, you know, we have a lot of big questions for them. I mean, you know, the first question, I mean, we've had a really active, you know, transfer window. It's been kind of exciting. We've acquired these players. Why didn't Robin Frazier get this kind of support, you know, when he was manager? I mean, there were transfer windows where we would sign literally no one. And why didn't the prior coach get that kind of support? So why all of a sudden now do they decide to go out and spend these kind of resources? That's kind of one of the questions we're asking. And, you know, kind of dovetailing off of that, you know, is this kind of, you know, I guess for lack of better term, ambition, is this going to continue going forward because there have been instances where they've, you know, had active off seasons, they've brought in big players or they've had a good season and then they sell everybody off the following year and then we're back to square one with the rebuild. So, I mean, that's another fundamental question that we have. And I guess the other big question we have is, you know, are any of the off-field problems being addressed, you know, with inadequate facilities and stuff like, are they going to be able to keep all these players that we've acquired healthy? I mean, the team is objectively much stronger than it was compared to last year on paper, but, you know, a lot of that's moot if you've got a rolling list of, you know, five to six guys injured every week like we did last year. So, you know, are they going to be able to keep all these guys healthy or are we going to have to keep scraping the bench just to be able to field the full roster on game day? Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. I agree with you there. And hopefully there'll be some good times coming now for the Rapids and maybe there'll be a shock uh, team over in the uh, Western Conference. Um, you know, there's been, like you've said, there's been plenty to complain about with management, ownership uh, of the club. But still, though, do you at least maybe see these moves as a bridge builder instead of a bridge burner? Uh, yeah, I think it has the potential to be a bridge builder. But, you know, I, I don't think 
you can look at this in a vacuum, and I, I think most fans that have stuck with this club long enough kind of know that, that you can't look at this offseason in a vacuum and then think everything's, you know, changing overnight. I think it's going to take, you know, multiple consecutive years of, you know, performing well and being active in the transfer window, addressing roster needs, that sort of thing to, you know, convince the fans that it is in fact different than what we were seeing before. No, very true. I I agree with you there. I I really think that this is a time where the Rapids should really start concentrating on building that trust again, because look, you've, I've seen it with some of these clubs. I've even seen with the Red Bulls at times, not so much management, but just, you know, not really putting in the effort of bringing in a proper player to mix in with the talented players that they have in their academy. And now it seems like they probably have done that. And that's the one thing I think with the Rapids sometimes that they miss that there is a strong community for the game in the Denver area. I mean, you know it, I know it. You you know, you talk to a lot of your fellow soccer fans in the Denver area, even with the amateur teams, uh, you know, that play in the Denver area and up and down the state of Colorado, you know, soccer is big in Colorado and obviously everything evolves around not, you know, obviously mostly in Denver area, but of course, you know, what's going on in Colorado Springs in the Northern Colorado area with the Hellstorm and USL league one. I, I mean, you know, without a doubt, there's gotta be something bigger here than just having stadiums and just having a team. Cause you want to make it bigger and better. That's what you're looking for, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I want somebody that actually wants to, you know, operate a professional soccer organization, not just, you know, have a rundown building and a, a team that I guess if you call it a team occupying said building and, that's just good enough, even if, you know, they get crushed every single game, kind of like what happened last year. But, you know, we want, I mean, just being average would be a huge step up from what we've seen before. So, you know, hopefully we'll be more competitive this year. I'm still not sure if they're going to be a playoff team. I, I think that's asking a bit much. And I think a lot of that hinges on both our striker position and our defensive midfield position, both of whom are going to be occupied by, guys that are on loan with their loan term being up halfway through the season. So, you know, a lot hinges on that, but I think we will be better than last year, but, you know, we'll, we'll just kind of see how it goes. I think there's still a few things that need to fall into place, you know, before I think people will kind of sit up and take notice of the club and, you know, basically the club proving to, the wider Colorado market that they're worth paying attention to. Absolutely. And that's the one thing, but the one thing I need from you, Quinny, I need you to behave yourself because <laughs> you, I, I, you, I know you, I know you. Yeah, I know everything you've done. You've been suspended, fined. You haven't been skinned yet, but let's make sure <laughs> it's not permanent. Shall we? Yeah, I mean, we'll see how it goes. I make no promises, though. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know. I like to have a little fun. You know that. But, um, you know, all I can say is, is that it, it this should be really um, – a fun year, hopefully for the Rapids for once. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been a long, long time since the Rapids have really been up there in the standings in the Western conference. Like you said, you don't think they're a playoff team, but where where would be the biggest surprise for the club this season? If they do find the miracle season that they could have. Uh, I think biggest surprises would probably, you know, Honestly, if everything came together, it would be, you know, basically poor Egg Smith and Fran Harrington, who's head of scouting, actually, you know, hitting home runs on both uh, Rafael Navarro, our striker, and then uh, the defensive midfielder we signed out of uh, France. Uh, I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of this name, but Lamine Diak, I think that's how you say it, but defensive midfielder. He's kind of going to be sort of the linchpin of our midfield. But if both those guys pan out, that's going to be, 
you know, the real big surprises if, you know, we get on a good run, at least to me. Mm-hmm. No, I understand what you're saying. Uh, hopefully we'll see what happens once this regular season gets underway, and hopefully for you and every other Rapid supporter, uh, they will do a solid job this season. But anyway, Quinny, thank you again for joining me tonight. Uh, good luck in the regular season, and I uh, hope you're doing well, and stay warm, my friend. You take care. Yeah, you as well, and uh, good luck to the Red Bulls. Thank you. Patrick Quinn, my Colorado Rapids reporter, joining me tonight to talk about their offseason and, of course, Chris Armas, the head coach, as we move on to more uh, fun stuff to talk about, including what is going on in the state of Nebraska, especially in Omaha. Uh, In a recorded interview, the president of Union Omaha of USL League One, Marty Cordero, as we talk about the brand new stadium project that just got announced and will be ready by the start of the 2026 season. And here is that interview right now. And welcome back to the American Soccer Show. This is Daniel Feuerstein here with my next guest. He is the president of Union Omaha as they are about to get ready. Obviously, they've already announced it that they're going to be building their brand new stadium in USL League One. This is President of the Union Omaha, Marty Cordero. Marty, welcome to the show, and congratulations on the news that the club is building a stadium for the game in the country. Daniel, thank you so much. Really excited about what's happening uh, on the larger uh, landscape of professional soccer and soccer at all levels throughout the country. But, yes, Right here in the Omaha Metro, we're excited about the continued growth of the game here. Now, I have to ask you this. How amazing has the soccer community been to the club and the announcement of the stadium for the club, obviously? I mean, not a lot of people know about Omaha being a soccer hotbed, but it looks like uh, you have done that uh, spectacularly. Well, you know, uh, our supporters groups, our fan base, sponsors, uh, the larger community really has has uh, they've been excited about soccer. You know, when we announced in May of 19, we had no idea what was happening in 2020. So we probably wouldn't have started a franchise during COVID, the first year of COVID. However, you know, those that are here supporting soccer and supporting our mission on what we're trying to do uh, have been with us every step of the way. So uh, to have supporter groups and to have sponsors and key community members alike uh, at the press conference that we held uh, with Mayor Gene Stothert in the city of Omaha on Thursday, January 25th, to announce our new exciting project uh, was quite fulfilling. Now, that's fantastic. And, I, I mean, I have to ask you, you know, how important was it to get the Omaha government, the, the city government, to agree to this uh, project? And uh, how happy were they to hear about you building a soccer-specific stadium for the club? You know, it, it's been a process. Uh, you know, it, it, we started visiting with them in February of 22, uh, officially, so it's been almost a couple of years. And and it's been a process to educate on what's happening with the sport throughout the country, what's happening uh, at the USL League One and championship levels, as well as W and Super League, and and really to get them educated, not just from a standpoint, oh, it's going to be another development, it's going to be jobs creation, but beyond that, what does it mean to the fabric of the community? What does it mean to uh, brain drain on 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 uh, you know keeping and retaining talent as well as recruiting talent uh, at a you know at a younger professional. Uh, uh, demographic and so there's been a lot it's been a lot that's gone in the process you know we've been very deliberate and uh, very intentional in, in, in sharing what our vision is that it's not just about soccer this is about raising uh, a community through uh, the game of soccer now where will the stadium be located in the downtown omaha uh you know that will be uh close to if anyone has been to Omaha, it's close to where the stadiums are. It's not technically known as a stadium district, but it is fast becoming one. Uh, CHI uh, Arena is where uh, Creighton men's basketball plays. And then Schwab uh, Field is where the men's college World series uh, is held each year. And it is right there in the proximity of those two buildings. So when you come from the airport on Abbott Drive, heading west, southwest, uh, the stadium would be on your left uh, along the riverfront, and it would be, you know, it would be, it's the door. It's the front door to the city, and then obviously it would be the last thing you see uh, leaving the city as well. So it's great location uh, and great visibility. 
Now, how important was it to get the Omaha government to agree? Excuse me, I asked my wrong question. Uh, how important was it to make this project a multi-purpose area? Obviously, you're making a brand new neighborhood. You're also putting in hotels and, and shops, businesses. How important was that to add to the stadium construction? Well, Daniel, when you look at other developments around the country uh, related to uh, sports properties or sports projects, you know, having the multi-faceted uh, um, development, if you will, uh, it, it was it, it is important, uh, but it's specific important to us because we want to make this more of a uh, of, of an entertainment. Uh, a living, a working destination, and not just one that you come to for you know, 40 to 50 you know, men's and women's soccer matches throughout any particular year. So uh, it, it's important. Your question is an important one because it's something that we have focused on and, and we will continue to focus on. And whether that's the, the uh, multifamily uh, you know, residential, whether it is a hotel, whether it's uh, light retail as well as entertainment, restaurant, uh, you know, park amenities, all of that to me makes up the entire development. That's our focus. And uh, as of right now, the stadium is at a 7,000-seat capacity. Um, if there are plans, I mean, if it does become very successful, are there plans in the future to expand the capacity where the club feels important, I guess, when you reach certain goals? Is that a possibility down the road? Not the very near future, obviously, but, you know, maybe 10, 15 years down the road, maybe even longer than that. Is, is that a possibility? Well, you know, it's, a, it, it, it's obviously part of the conversations we're having when you look at the growth of soccer. But our, our, our focus right now is to make sure we get open. You know, we're going to have roughly 6,500 to 7,000 seats. Capacity will be somewhere in that 8 to 9, 8 to 10 range. We haven't specifically started all the programming uh, for the venue uh, with an architect just yet. So we, we, we have some work to do. Uh, so, I, you know. We're not exactly worried about 10 to 15 years quite yet, but, but you know, never, never say never. You're right. Exactly. You know, what else is also important is um, could you – I mean, I don't know if the University of Nebraska has a soccer stadium or at least a soccer field for men's and women's teams, but could this new stadium now assist the University of Nebraska for the men's and women's soccer teams as well as the high schools? Well, you know, college soccer at a high-level you know, high amateur uh, leagues and, 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 and tournaments will be, you know, in our wheelhouse related to special events. This, you know, this is a venue we want to use, um, you know, 150, 200 times a year. Uh, so University of Nebraska women's, uh, you know, Lincoln is about an hour, hour, 10 minutes from this location. So I'm not sure how much connection there will be there. And the men's, they don't, they don't have a men's program, but Creighton is just down the road. They have one of the nicest uh, uh, collegiate soccer facilities in the country, and they have successful men's and women's programs. So along with them and our partners at University of Nebraska Omaha, there absolutely is, is an opportunity to partner uh, for college and amateur games. No, it's fantastic. I mean, obviously, your company, Alliance Sports, has been around for a very long time. Uh, like you said, you know, you are running the Omaha Storm Chasers, which are the AAA affiliate to the Kansas City Royals of Major League Baseball. How important has that partnership been with the Royals? And has that also assisted uh, creating Union Omaha and to now build this stadium to, I guess, at the moment, make things complete for you in Alliance Sports? You know, that's a great question. Um, I, I wouldn't say that, that baseball in general across the country is a fan of, of uh, soccer teams playing in baseball venues. You know, you look at El Paso, uh, you know, you can go down any list. Uh, Louisville, obviously, before they opened up their stadium. But what I, the way I would answer it, if it weren't for minor league baseball, the growth of USL probably wouldn't have happened as rapidly as it did. So I should say, you know, soccer should be giving thanks that, you know, there are open-minded and progressive minor league operators, minor league owner operators for what the growth of soccer has been. You know, and I hear a lot of times, yeah, that's just as a fit in a baseball stadium. I, I agree. We agree. That's why we're focused on this project. But without it, you know, it's kind of chicken and egg. Without it, it wouldn't be happening. What's the excitement going to feel like when finally, when you, we get to 2026, that the first ball will be kicked 
at this brand new stadium. And of course, hopefully, whether it be in round one or round two, uh, that first ball will be kicked for a U.S. Open Cup home match at the new stadium in two years. Yeah, yeah, having having designed and 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 built and opened and operated Warner Park, you know, um, I'm not a guy that stops and smells the roses very much, and I didn't do that enough uh, at Warner. So I'm actually looking forward to doing that, you know, in in, in this soccer venue. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be a different set uh, of emotions. Obviously, it's a, it's a different game. Um, you know, this is this is a larger development. So uh, I'm eager. I'm eager to see what those feelings are. And you know, we, we've got a lot of work along the path to get there. But you know, we're we're excited for it, Daniel. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. I can't wait. Let's go and talk about the club real quick. That magical run that Union Omaha had at uh, your club, obviously, uh, a couple of years ago, unfortunately, uh, falling to Sporting Kansas City in the quarterfinals uh, back in 2021. But still, though, you know, everyone will always remember that run by your club, just like everyone else had their magic runs below MLS. They'll always remember Christos FC, but people will always talk about the Union Omaha run. That was absolutely spectacular. Yeah, you know, Coach Mims, uh, obviously, uh, coming off the 2020 season in which we made the finals, were one, unable to compete at Greenville due to COVID. 21, we won the finals. So you go into 22, you know, what, what can this team do? Uh, what, what, what is, what, you know, what is the follow-up to winning a league championship? Well, the follow-up was beating two MLS clubs, uh, and, and, and heading on a path, uh, for U.S. soccer to learn what, the Union Omaha Crest is to learn what Union Omaha soccer is and to quite honestly shed a light on what USL League One soccer was and that it is competitive and that, you know, uh, there are, there are great players, you know, below the top two divisions in North American soccer. So there was a lot. I think it wasn't just about Union Omaha. It was about showcasing the game, uh, you know, at a lower level. No, it really was, and that's what many people love watching the Open Cup about. It's not just what Goliath can do. They want to see what David's going to produce or whoever's going to be that David to try and knock off as many Goliaths as possible. Uh, if I can ask you this, what made you fall in love with the game? What was that one moment that said to you, this is what I'd like to uh, be a part of and uh, to showcase how much I love this sport to everyone else? You know, a, a couple things. For me, um, you know, growing up in the South, uh, baseball, football, basketball, um, I guess, uh, participant, uh, but more on the business side of things, you know, soccer wasn't as pre prevalent in the South. So the 94 World Cup was really, you know, I wouldn't say it's my first introduction because I had watched soccer before that. I played soccer as a youth, uh, but that, that was kind of the beginning. I would tell you really the rise of the women's uh, national team over the last, let's call it two decades, uh, you know, primarily. That is, that's really been, for me, the reminder of, you know, how exciting this game is, how exciting this game can be. Uh, and, and then I, I would say really for me, it's once I've gotten into the actual business of soccer over the last five, six, seven years, uh, you know, and it's crystallized to me, you know, how this game uh, is loved by so many and, and, and really just, you know, what opportunities we have through the game to, to change community and, and to do good in our, in our local communities. And finally for me, obviously USL League One is going to start that in-season tournament this upcoming season. How exciting is it not just to participate in a regular season, an Open Cup season, but this now th uh, third competition uh, with this in-season tournament by USL League One? How exciting is that? Uh, yeah, you know, it remains to be seen, you know, how it's going to go. Uh, you know, you, you walk into, into something new with optimism, but you're also a little guarded sometime. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see what another, you know, another tournament in the middle of the season does uh, to a squad, to a club. And, you know, we're obviously going to be playing to win. Dominic Casciato's put together a great, a great squad again this year. And, you know, we're excited about the 24 season, which is our fifth season. Hard to believe already here in Omaha. But yeah, you know, you, you play the games to, to, to win them. You play the games to, uh, you know, to, to have fans come out and support the, the club. So we're, we're excited about it this year. 
Well, let me say this, Marty. I'm very, very excited for Union Omaha, for the future of the club. Finally, I mean, no offense, Warner Field was a very good facility. It is still a very good facility. But for the game of soccer in two years, in 2026, I cannot wait to see that stadium open and ready for a brand new era of Union Omaha soccer. Thank you for your time. I really do appreciate you joining me and uh, good luck in the future for uh, this season and good luck in 2026 for opening the brand new stadium. Daniel, thanks for having me on. Appreciate what you do for soccer uh, here in, in America and across the country. And you know, we look forward to being on again with you here, you know, six months, nine months, a year, maybe giving an update on where we are on, on the project and uh, staying in touch. So thanks again. Thank you. And that is the president of Union Omaha of USL League One, Marty Cordero, joining me tonight in a recorded interview. And it was great to talk to him, you know. Once again, and I keep saying this, and I know that there are those of you that believe that promotion relegation should be coming in now. It should be here already. Everything that is a part of that mechanism should be in American soccer. And while I do agree with that, once again, I'm just, I, I just want everyone to understand something here is that that has to be put on hold. The brakes must be put on hold on that. And the reason why I keep saying it is this, is that I still believe we are not in an equal footing. There's still too much division, not meaning playing divisions, but division between leagues. And at the same time, I still feel that stadiums are a big part, a very, very big part of what needs to happen to continue the health and the growth of professional soccer in the United States. Let that continue on. Let the trajectory continue on. And then, only then, can we say, We'll be ready for it because once every club in every professional league and even the amateur leagues, if they want to, builds their own stadium, has their own uh, property, their own ground going for it and showing all of us that it's going to happen, then by all means, we are ready. I know it's tough and I understand it's tough. Everyone's patience is probably wearing thin right now. Trust me. We are all in the same boat here. But one thing for sure is this. And it has to be said. What we need is for everybody to be together. But at the same time, we need U.S. soccer to bring everyone together to move forward, and to get to that level. There's still other factors, but the main issue I have, can you, to have for the game in this country, because every town, every city, every area, whether you support a club in England, in Italy, in Germany, in Spain, France, the Netherlands, the Swiss, we must build stadiums for the game in this country. I understand using other facilities for the time being is fine, but that should be the start, not the permanent, because we need to build stadiums for the game. And once every club of every league has their own stadium, we're all going to move forward. There's still issues here and there, depending on if you're from Boston, maybe if you're from Seattle, maybe if you're from New York City, 
where you're supposed to be building a stadium already, but the owner of the baseball team has uh, the, uh, the power to prevent said soccer team to have that stadium built in a piece of land that is going to be for his ideas to what he wants to build there. So there's still a lot of back and forth, a lot of give and take. All have to understand, without a real stadium, the idea is dead. So let's take care of that first. The real, real situation. Until then, until then. We'll see what happens. But other than that, it is a positive step, another positive step in the lower levels of American soccer in the USL section of American soccer as Union Omaha is getting ready to start, probably has already started, the construction of their brand new 7,000-seat stadium in the downtown Omaha, Nebraska area. It is going to be exciting. And once again, congratulations to Union Omaha. Congratulations to the Nebraska area, the entire state of Nebraska. You're getting your own soccer-specific stadium. And I want to thank my guests tonight. I want to thank Patrick Quinn, my Colorado Rapids reporter. And I also want to thank Mr. Marty Cordero, the president of Union Omaha, on that wonderful announcement. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Join me this coming Friday night. The CONCACAF Champions Cup is going to get underway this week. Local listings, go to LiveSoccerTV.com. Check out the listings, where to watch it, whether it's on your TVs or streaming apps. It should be exciting. It should be a lot of fun. I know I cannot wait for that to start. The first two weeks will be the clubs from Liga MX along with Hamilton Forge, the Canadian Premier League, and the Vancouver Whitecaps. And then, of course, the next two weeks will be all Major League Soccer and Cavalry FC of the Canadian Premier League as well. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. I hope all of you are going to have a great evening Thank you once again for listening to me. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care. So long and have a good night. Bye-bye for now. Have a good night, everybody.